Welcome to the Lamaze podcast where we chat all things pregnancy, childbirth, and the postpartum experience. Lamaze International is a global group committed to supporting families from pregnancy to parenthood. This podcast is an extension of our passion, which has been educating and journeying alongside families for over 60 years. Lamaze is more than just breathing, and today's podcast will explore and hopefully help educate you on how to advocate for healthy pregnancy, safe birth, and early parenting through evidence-based education. Let's get started. My name is Joyce Scow, and I'm the host for today's podcast episode. I've been a Lamaze certified childbirth educator for three years now and a doula for five years in the South Jersey and Philadelphia areas. And I'm a mother of four, soon to be five, um, and have had two unmedicated VBACs after two cesareans. So with me today are Alyssa and Bob Iero, and I had the pleasure of supporting both of them about a year and a half ago in the birth of their son, Leo, and um, Alyssa in that birth too was a VBAC mom, so it was very exciting. And so I've asked them to join us today because their birth experience was filled with twists and turns and really showed what advocacy is and how it can affect your birth experience and your postpartum recovery. So Alyssa and Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So you have an interesting but not so uncommon first birth experience. So could you talk a little bit about that, about your birth preparation for your first pregnancy? For my birth prep for my first pregnancy, I did a lot of reading. Um, I wanted to know the statistics of everything that had to do with pregnancy, with labor, with raising a newborn. Um, One big mistake that I did make was that I was so focused on having a natural birth and a natural labor that I did not do any research at all into epidurals. I did not do any research into C-sections. I thought in my head that ignorance is bliss and that if I just ignored the fact that that was a possibility that I would be strong enough to get through um, and that I would have the willpower and I thought it was purely willpower purely strength and that all the doctors and all the nurses would all be on my side Um, and I found out the hard way that I was wrong Um, but I, I, I read so much and I did a lot of yoga I did a lot of strength training I really prepared my body and told myself in my mind that I had the strength to do a fully natural labor, no matter how long it took. And how was your first labor and birth experience? Can you tell us the story of your Joey's birth? Um, To sum it up, my first labor and birth experience was kind of traumatic. Um, With Joey, we were first-time parents. We were very, very excited to have him. And everybody knows when you get to the end, when you get to that 40-week mark, you're like, all right, I'm ready to have this baby out. I'm ready to be done. And my parents were in town. And my parents, of course, excited first-time grandparents, were 
rushing me. They're saying, Hey, you got to get this baby out or we're going to go home. Just kidding. Of course. But the pressure was on. Um, so when our doctor offered an induction, we said, okay, well, we'll do the induction if that's what you think we should do. So we go into the hospital for that induction. Everything's going fine. Um, I labored for about, what was it? 20 hours, something like that, yep. about 20 hours. Um, and I, I was doing great. I did not get an epidural. I was moving around, bouncing on the ball. I felt like I was really, I was feeling good. I was helping him move down. At that point, they said that I needed to get Pitocin. They gave Pitocin and I was stuck at about six centimeters, I believe. Um, a couple more hours passed and the doctor came in and said that Joey's heart rate was not doing great. It had some D cells which as a first-time parent who's never been in labor before, um, I, I heard D-cells and I, my mind went crazy. I didn't know what to do. When they suggested a C-section, I obviously thought about it. I thought about the consequences of what would happen if I got a C-section, what would happen if I didn't get a C-section. I will say a backstory that I have a brother who was severely handicapped as a result of a problem during birth. So I already had that in the back of my mind that I know things can go wrong. And if these doctors are telling me that I need to have a C-section, then I probably need to have a C-section. Now, looking back at it, I know that there are different grades of heart decelerations. And I've had it checked out by a very good doctor. And he said that Joey's heart deceleration was not something that should have made us have an emergency C-section. Yeah. Um, in turn. We ended up opting for the emergency C-section, um, talked it over with my mom, talked it over with my husband, and we were kind of in panic mode, to be honest. Um, I went in for the C-section. Bob was there with me, um, and they did a spinal because at that point, I, since I did not have um, any type of epidural, they just kind of need to get it in, get me under, um, did the spinal. I did not react very well to that. Um, and unfortunately, I do not remember Joey being taken out of me. My husband has very, very vivid memories of that, but that's part, part of it that makes it so traumatic for me because I had it in my head, this dream of this natural labor where I'm going to get to have this little baby on my chest and I'm going to meet him for the very first time and I'm going to have this this dream experience that everybody sees in the movies and it's so sweet and I can't remember any of it. Um, I was supposedly getting sick. Um, I had a bunch of doctors and nurses around my head putting oxygen on me and Bob was over on the side holding Joey and having this like great experience meeting our little baby boy for the very first time and I couldn't tell you a thing about it. And I honestly can't really tell you much about the next 48 hours afterwards because of how terribly whatever medication they gave me affected me. Wow. Um, it just was, to me, was very traumatic. Yeah, that is traumatic. Thanks for sharing all of that. <laughs> and then was, wasn't there a comment that a nurse made to you or something that it's always you women who want their natural births? We we were told that by our main doctor that the people 
who really, really want the natural births, they're always the ones who end up with the C-sections. And that, I believe, was made after the fact, after we already had gone through everything. It, it probably was like my six-week checkup. Wow. It, yeah. But I had it in my mind, and I thought that I was going to have this great experience, and we did not at all. Yeah. Of course, I love my I love my sweet baby boy, my my yeah. first little man. But I I wish that I could remember that experience. I will always feel like I got gypped of that. Yeah. Um, Bob, how did you feel during that first labor? Um, I mean, I was definitely ill prepared compared to how I felt for the second one. The second one, um, you know, I was definitely less trust trusting of doctors. Um, you know. When, when I had, during the first one, I was just kind of like going with the flow. I was like, listening to Alyssa. We went to like the classes. Like I was like, all right, like we're going to do this. It's going to be a natural birth. Like I know she, she can do it. I had total confidence that she could do it. And then it was just, I think the biggest problem was it was too much listening to what other people were telling us, like the doctors versus doing what we wanted to do. Um, like scheduling the induction the day after the due date was definitely a huge mistake because, you know, if the baby would have had another, you know, seven to 10 days to be able to, you know, continue to grow, get bigger and, you know, kind of, kind of sit, sit there and help her a face more. Maybe she would have gone into labor naturally. So I was definitely ill-prepared when they said about the heart decelerating, we both were nervous. We both like looked at each other. We definitely talked it over about what we should do, but you know, I think we reacted too quickly and, basically just decided, oh, let's just, you know, let's just do the C-section because we just didn't want anything happen to the baby. And that's kind of what happens, I feel like, with a lot of new parents. So that was like a mistake for sure. Um, you know, so first time around, I, I I did not feel like I was prepared. I was just- How mute. did you feel when he was being taken out? That's the part that I always gets me. Well, when he was being taken out, like I was obviously like, really happy and it was like the best moment of my life but then i saw Alyssa like struggling so it definitely dampered the moment for me and then that's why like what happened was i ended up you know saying to her hey can i go see the baby because she was like struggling because of the 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 um the anesthesia she just didn't react well to it at all and she was like yeah like she could barely talk but she was like yeah go see him and then I had my moment with Joey where I, you know, Giuseppe, where I said his name, like how I would sing it. I said, Giuseppe, Michael, and he was screaming and he stopped screaming and he was holding my finger and he looked up at me. And that was like my first moment as a father, which was great. But then, like I said to the nurse, like, can I can I bring him over to my wife? And I got to bring him over. But then to hear like the next day, two days later, that she like basically didn't really remember that first moment was obviously sad for me because look, you know, I did the easiest part. She did all the work and for her not to get the, you know, the, 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 the gratification that I had was definitely upsetting for me the first time. And I know it was for her. And then what was the impact postpartum? Like, did it affect your postpartum recovery at all? That experience? Well, I can say from me seeing her, it was something that wore on her for like basically two years because our, our sons are two years apart almost exactly. And, you know, to see how she was, how she, you know, felt things like that. I, I thought 
like at first I was like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't feel that way. But she felt like she wasn't like complete as a woman because she didn't I get felt to like do, I wasn't enough. Yeah. Like she didn't get to do what she set out to do. And it made her feel like less like less good about herself, which obviously I didn't like either because I, I, I felt like she didn't, shouldn't feel that way. Like I felt like, look, he's healthy. You did a great job. She had hyperemesis. So she was throwing up all throughout pregnancy. I'm like, you, you know, you did great. Like I was just proud of her, but it's still, I didn't, didn't have that feeling of pride her. and yeah. there was nothing that could have given me that feeling of pride. I knew I was a good mom. I got through breastfeeding for like 16 months with him. Yeah, I knew I should be months. 14 months. I knew I should be proud of that. Um, I, I knew that I was doing everything right with raising him, but nothing could give me that pride that I would have had from having a vaginal birth. I just, I couldn't explain it. Um, postpartum though, physically as well as mentally was really difficult, um, because it wasn't something that I had prepared for at all. Um, so I went through 24 hours of labor on top of a C-section, which is a major surgery. Uh, I was not really up and physically able to move around until like probably five weeks postpartum, which is really difficult with a newborn that you have to constantly be picking up and walking up and down steps and all uh, and entertaining all the people that want to come meet the baby. It was all incredibly difficult physically because of the pain that I was in. And also postpartum, just for probably a year and a half almost, I just didn't feel the same. And like my lower abdomen, all of it just felt very different compared to my VBAC experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot to process. And, um, it's a big difference when you feel like you've been informed the whole way and these decisions are your decisions versus you had this idea in your head and you feel like it was taken from you. Okay. Um, so yeah, that is a lot to go through. So then for the second time around, you decided to do things differently. Um, this fact is always very exciting and interesting to me as a doula and a childbirth educator, that there's something about looking at this birth system and the experience you went through in particular. And instead of assuming, oh, this is the system and I should just, you know, accept it and, and do what I'm told, you didn't. You didn't follow along. You did something else. Um, so how did you come to the decision to do to be back? and not just have another cesarean? Um, in my head, I knew that I needed to do it in order to just to feel complete as a mother, as a woman, as myself. I, I needed to almost prove it to myself, which isn't the best thing, I guess, in the world. Um, but I, in order for me to be the best mom that I could possibly be, I needed to have that experience. I needed to know what it was like. Um, also, me and my husband want to have five kids just like you and I knew that multiple c-sections isn't really something that is ideal um uh, at my particular OB they say that three c-sections is the max and I knew that I most definitely wanted more than three children so that also had a big impact um and I went about having a doula because I it, I figured if we couldn't get through that the first time. And when you're in it, when you're in labor, you and your partner are so focused on that labor and that baby that even though you could have done all the research in the world and it's all out the door, you need a third party person to be there 
to kind of remind you, hey, this was your goal. These are the facts, the stats behind it. How about you make your decision based off of that? Like, think about what you wanted. Think about kind of how things could turn out. And I knew that we needed that. If we, if it had just been us, especially after the second time and the length of it, I know that we would not have been able to have a successful VBAC if we wouldn't have had you as our doula in the room with us. Well, thank you for that. Um, so before we get into your second birth story, your story of Leo, um, in a word or two, how would you describe your second birth experience? Um, healing and romantic. Beautiful. And Bob? It was just like tons of like pride for my <laughs> wife. Like I was like so proud of her because it was, you'll find out in the next thing we're talking about, it was really <laughs> really long and you know as a guy i you know i could never imagine going through what she went through um but in the end it was it was all worth it yeah and how long was it Alyssa? it's 59 hours Fifty-nine <laughs> hours. five nine nobody ever believes it it was five nine <laughs> yeah. said, there's not many people who would look at 59 hours of labor and think um, that this was healing and romantic and filled with pride. Um, so here we go. Let's hear your second birth story with all its unique twists and turns. And I'm, I'm so excited to have you share this story with so many others um, because this, this birth experience will always hold significance to me personally. Um, for one, I feel like you embodied all of the six healthy birth practices of Lamaze um, beginning with labor starting on its own, but mostly because um, the connection between the two of you was something that I was really privileged to witness um, throughout the labor. Um, so tell us about the beginning of your second labor and how you were feeling physically and emotionally this time around. So the beginning of my second labor actually started on the eve of my oldest son's second birthday. I put him to bed. Um, it was about seven o'clock in the evening. He went to bed. I put him to bed his last night as a one-year-old and I tuck him in. I go in the basement and I had, I lost my mucus plug. I had been having off and on contractions for like a week, but nothing, nothing crazy. Um, figured it was just like prodromal labor. I kind of had pattern to it like a week earlier, but no big deal. Um, I, after I put my son to bed, I go sit in the basement and my husband was putting a tricycle together for my son's birthday. And I, he asked me to come over and help fix it. And I went ballistic. I freaked out, which now I've heard is a sign of labor. Uh, I went absolutely ballistic. I'm like, you should have had this done. You should be packing the coolers just in case something happens. We were supposed to get a big snowstorm. Um, and I probably five minutes after I freaked out, I was sitting there and I had two really big contractions and I had never known what a regular, like just naturally starting contraction would feel like. And when I felt those two in a row, I was like, this is it. I'm in labor. And we had joked around because I had been eating pineapple. I had been trying everything to put myself into labor. And my mom said, you know, there's a snowstorm coming, something about that. It sets people into labor. And there I went <laughs> the night of a crazy whiteout. Um, we labored, um, in the house that evening 
and it wasn't anything crazy. Everything was very manageable. I did get a little bit nervous because of the snowstorm coming that kind of pushed everything along with having you come to our house and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was all very manageable. I believe I slept for like two or three hours and then ended up waking Bob up and saying, Hey, this is it. I can't sleep anymore. I, I kind of need your help now. Just rub my back a little bit, give me a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Um, but I, I was managing, I was managing very well in the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. And I, yeah, I remember this affected our plan because you were supposed to labor at home for as long as possible and then call me to come join you when things got really intense. But then once we saw the weather was, was getting worse quickly, um, we changed the plan a little bit and I came over and just stayed in your basement until you were ready for me to come up and join you. And I remember that ride taking, you know, it was supposed to be a 10 minute car ride took 30 minutes because it was so bad out with the snow. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And so in the middle of the night, I think Bob called me and then I came upstairs to you guys laboring. And I remember you being in your tub and like, just so relaxed and contracting regularly, but you were in such a beautiful rhythm. Um, And I remember pouring water over your belly and thinking, God, you're so comfortable and you're so in your zone and just dreading the fact that you would have to get up out of this tub, put on your snow clothes and your snow boots and go out in this weather and then drive to the hospital. Um, But that's what we did, right? So um, off we went to the hospital eventually and Bob was driving in the snowstorm. And uh, what do you remember about the car ride? It was the longest car ride of my life. Well, actually, second longest car ride because there's we were in the car a few more times during this labor. Okay. <laughs> um, I just remember being so excited and so nervous, but more so excited. Um, but I definitely didn't feel as calm when I was in my tub. I felt in total control of my body. Um, I felt like I was fully managing every contraction that would come through. And I felt really in tune with my body. Yeah. Like I felt like this is, these are very productive contractions. I could tell that the baby's moving along. I felt great. And I really was calm. I was relaxed. That was a great part of my labor looking back on it because I was just in the zone and yeah. there's no other way to describe that. And getting in the car, I knew was going to kind of throw off that rhythm, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I knew at that point it probably needed to be done. It was one of the worst snowstorms that we had, I think, in the past like four or five years. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and I, at the at the time, was like, oh, my God, I can't have this baby at my house. And we're going to get snowed in at the house. And yeah. I wanted to make it to the hospital because the hospital was typically probably a 20 to maybe 30 minute drive away from our house. So that that's a lot to make in a in a whiteout. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot to think about when you're in labor and calculating <laughs> when to leave. <laughs> um, so when we got there, we got to the hospital, Bob went to park the car, and then we were up in the waiting room. Um, well, the three of us eventually were up in the waiting room for a long time by ourselves. And then this was your healthy birth practice number two in action where um, you were just walking and moving around and changing positions and you and Bob just stayed in your rhythm, um, literally dancing together through each surge in that waiting room. 
um, which became like the theme of your labor. It was so beautiful to watch. Um, so after some time, then the nurse came in and, and you had your first cervical exam, which was reassuring. It was like enough to be admitted and you were admitted to your room around nine. And then uh, what happened next? Um, we ate. <laughs> um, at that point, I was definitely really tired. Mm -hmm. um, I could feel my body kind of getting exhausted. And I'm also not a fan of hospitals. I could just tell that I was not comfortable. I wasn't really in my zone anymore. Um, everything kind of spaced out a little bit. Um, I just, I wasn't feeling in tune with myself anymore. And I just needed to rest. I think it had been a while at that point. I mean, my body was tired. Yeah. And I, I feel like I, I remember sitting there and Bob and I both kind of, I don't know. I know I felt relaxed seeing that you were relaxed because I was thinking, oh my goodness, she's been laboring for a really long time. And so this was good. This was fine that you just had this period of rest and your uterus had a period of rest and your baby had a period of rest. Um, and so you rested. So, uh, but Bob, I'm coming to you now. So at this point, we're at the hospital for about three hours. Alyssa had been offered and declined, I think, four cervical exams at this In point. Three hours, crazy. Yeah, it was. It was one after another. And um, how was she feeling about declining these unnecessary interventions, from your perspective, Bob? Um, I mean, she was definitely getting like annoyed and, and I, anxious. It just kept making me so anxious. Well, yeah, because it kept making her feel like she was going to be in the same situation she was two years ago and she was getting annoyed. She was getting anxious. And I am kind of like very fierce protector, but I needed to just stay calm because, you know, I want her to be relaxed and to be in her rhythm. So, you know me my initial reaction is to jump down the nurse's throat and tell her to get the hell out but i was calm joy you had a calming effect on me um and i, I didn't want to embarrass my wife as well and you know we just kept telling them no we're just gonna keep on laboring we're just gonna you know we're she's okay like we're gonna keep on doing it and i kept kind of assuring her it was gonna be fine and you know she just she just kept at it after that and every so, time I would get comfortable, somebody would come in and ask to do something, though, every single time. Yeah, yeah. I remember you feeling, yeah, I remember the frustration. I remember you saying to him, like, I need you to, st I need you to talk for me because I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. Because they were making, it was being offered so much and you kept declining and they kept offering. And so I think you were starting to feel just anxious. Yeah, like you said. It, at one point too i i had told bob to like hey i i don't really want to deal with this right now i am they're making me so anxious i just want to focus on me and this baby and laboring like you do the talking which he is my husband he is if i tell him that he is allowed to do that and at one point the nurse literally looked at us and said i'm not talking to you i'm talking to her she needs to speak for herself yeah. And it was so off the wall to me because I was literally in the middle of having contractions. He's allowed to speak for me. And so if I am advocating for the same exact thing. Did you feel prepared for this? Like this, this need to advocate in this way, both of you? Absolutely. Um, after talking with you and after doing the research the second time around that we had, we are ready 
to advocate for ourselves. Um, we are ready to get what we want out of this. Unless obviously there was some crazy emergency, then of course, like helped my baby. But I knew at this point we hadn't been there that long. Yeah. I knew that me and the baby were progressing just fine. We we were still progressing, maybe not as quickly as they wanted us to, but there was still progression. When you look at financially, they get they they bill about fifty five thousand dollars for the C section versus the natural birth. I think it was twenty five thousand dollars. Now, obviously, insurance took took care of a huge portion of that, but for them, they'd rather have a ten to fifteen minute surgery. Let's call it fifteen minute surgery that they make fifty five thousand dollars. Then you take up a room for twenty four hours and then make twenty five thousand. So at the end of the day, as as much as you can think highly of your healthcare providers and and many of them are great and the doctors are great and the 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 nurses the midwives like everybody at the end of the day it is a business and you have to kind of realize that going into it that they're not looking out for what's best for you all the time that sometimes sometimes they're looking out what's best for the bottom line and i and i had that you know in my head a lot of the times which is why i you know kind of put my foot down i wasn't going to let this happen again Right. Watching the business of being born was was major for both of us. Yeah, I recommend. <laughs> yeah, and so you you fell asleep for a little while, and then um, Bob, then the charge nurse came in, and can you describe what happened there? Well, this was <laughs> this was it took me everything in my power not to lose my head because yeah, you did so great too. You really she came did. in. And she was like, sweetie. And I was like, no, she's sleeping. And she's like, oh, no, if she's sleeping, then she's not laboring. She fell asleep for like 10 minutes, 15 right. minutes, something like that. And she goes, sweetie, and startles her. She, Alyssa woke up like super startled. She goes, all right, sweetie, it's time to shit or get off the pot. We either need to um, get break your bag or give you Pitocin. And I like had was seeing red and I I just was like, all right, like, can we just talk about this? Like, can you leave the room? And I asked her to leave the room. And, um, you know, I looked at Joy and I kind of looked for her. But but the thing is, Joy, you never gave, you never like told us what to do the whole time, which I feel like some people think that like a doula is supposed to just tell you what to do. And like the entire time you you didn't, you just knew what we wanted. And you were like, well, look, you, you know, you got to do what you think is best. So basically putting it in our hands again. I called an OBGYN that I knew on a professional level um, that I had sold to with my job. And I asked her her opinion. And she said, if you're not comfortable there, then then leave. We already kind of had that in our head that we would just leave. But it's like, okay, she's mid labor. Like, are we going to leave the hospital? And I was like, you know what? Like, screw it. Like, this is when she said that, when she woke, when she startled my wife awake and said that, and it was so unprofessional and it was so, we weren't even there that long. It's not even like we were there for 30 hours or something like that. And, you know, for her to say that, I was like, you know what, we're leaving. And, um, I told, uh, Alyssa and joy, I was like, you know, we're getting at it, you know, we're leaving. And I walk out of the room and I went to the nurse. I said, Hey, um, can you get our discharge papers? Um, we're packing up our stuff. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to leave. And then you could see she was visibly like flustered, like, Oh, wow. I didn't think they would leave. And she probably realized she did something wrong. And, 
So I start packing the bag and then um, the attending uh, doctor came in to try to say, oh, no, like you can stay like and everything. And I was like, no, no, we're fine. We're going to leave. And they were just like kind of looking at each other like, oh, crap. And, you know, I brought our first load of stuff down to the car and came back up. Discharge papers were there. We signed her out, brought the rest of the stuff down and we just up and left the hospital. And when we tell people that they think we're crazy, but then at the same time, um, it was the right thing to do. Like she wasn't in any physical danger. She was probably five to six centimeters. She's probably six centimeters dilated. I think at that point, um, you know, and it was make it was making her everything about the experience awful by the way they just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. And then with that, that just that basically was the end of it. So that's why we decided to 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 leave. And when said all of that, when when she came in and woke me up and said shit or get off the pot verbatim is what she said. I immediately was like, I do not want to have my baby here. I see exactly what's happening. But I'm so thankful for my husband and for Joy because I am a very quiet person and I'm not the person that's going to be like, what do you know what? We're just going to up and leave. But my husband is. We're yin and yang when it comes to that. And I was so thankful for him in that moment for taking a stand and being like, look, he really helped me get it together. Because in my head, I was like, if we leave, what are we going to do? What is our plan after this? Because this baby is coming out. Like this baby is a hundred percent coming out of my belly. Like we got to figure out where are we going to go? What hospital are we going to go to? Because we can't come back here because they're going to do the same thing to us. So with him calling his doctor, the OBGYN acquaintance that he has, that was really helpful because that gave me the confidence to be like, okay, I know that staying here is not the right thing to do. And anywhere else that I go will be better than this. And when we left, I actually felt more confident that I could do this. I, after that, I was like, this VBAC is a thousand percent happening. There is no way that I end up in a C-section. Yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. So I feel like um, that, well, and to what Bob is saying, like, I, I feel strongly about, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do in labor, but I will remind you to keep checking in with yourselves. And I feel like that's, that's what the two of you did was to like, wait, this doesn't feel right to us. And I don't feel safe here. And like, like they're going to support my, my um, labor the way that I want it to go. And it was, it was such a bold move to make, um, but a game changer for sure. And in your experience. And, and, I, and I would say to the guys out there or the women that are listening to this that are going to show their partner, um, you know, doctors go to medical school. They clearly know more than your average person, myself included, um, but they're not infallible. And I think that a lot of people, sometimes new parents, whether it's with your pediatrician or, you know, laboring parents with their OB, feel the need that whatever their doctor says is the gospel and that that is what they need to do they need to do this during labor they need to take this medication um they need to schedule this induction when the children are born you get the same thing where it's like you know you have to feed your kid this way or you have to breastfeed this way or you have to give your kid this medication whatever it might be 
it, it's at the end of the day, it's guidance. And I think that having a strong partner in there, because you're if even if your wife is the stronger one of the of the pair, um, when it comes to being more outspoken and things like that, she's not going to have the ability to be as outspoken as she normally is. Like my wife, I'm always the outspoken one. So for me, it, it does come naturally. But for the for the guys out there where it doesn't come naturally, like this is your time to shine. If you know you have your plan, stick to it. And don't be afraid to say no um, to the healthcare providers. Yeah. And this, I feel like this part too was a lot about the connection of the two of you. Like it was, it was proof that you had talked about this beforehand, that you had had a, a plan and probably based on your first experience, we're like, no, we're not doing this again, where we just say yes to whatever is suggested. We're going to, we're going to stay in tune with our intuition, with our instincts, and we're going to call the shots. And so um, this moment was just really powerful and, and is not at all common to just like leave the hospital and say, and you both played it off. You're like, yeah, we probably jumped the gun. We came too soon. And then meanwhile, Alyssa's contracting every five minutes. <laughs> like, um, But yeah, but then, so we went back home and you continued to labor through the night. Now I feel like this whole thing kind of disrupted the pattern, like the flow that you were in when you were home, when you were in the tub, was very different. Now, um, now the contractions followed a different different pattern, where they were like five minutes, and then they would be seven minutes, and then, um, and that's kind of like how it went throughout that night together. And then we did find another hospital to go to, and it was it was under midwifery care now instead of. Um, your OB who you had been with. Well, I would like to say that I feel like going there and then coming back home a thousand percent threw me off. I I almost let it get in my head a little bit that she said, well, if you can rest, then you're not in labor. Mm -hmm. And I just kept telling myself that in my head. I was like, well, maybe I'm not in labor. Maybe this isn't it. But because I had joy there to, to tell me like, no, you are definitely in labor. This baby is coming. I was like, all right, I'm not just like feeling stuff. This isn't just some like fake uh, prodromal labor or whatever. Like this baby is coming. They just were trying to get me in and out and trying to make me make a move. I, I did have to keep reminding myself that. But that being said, I feel like labor is a lot of your mental state. And I feel like that had a lot to do with me slowing down yeah. because I was so like, am I doing the right thing? I kind of questioned myself. Mm -hmm. um, with, is this really labor? Um, but being back home uh, and making that decision to go to a different hospital, I I felt very, very confident in it. Good. I'm going to back up to, um, because, because you got to go home, because we left the first hospital, then you were home for a very special moment. I actually got to be home for my older son's birthday, his second birthday. Um, I was having pretty regular contractions at the point when everybody was singing him happy birthday. So I stayed upstairs with joy while everybody was downstairs singing him happy birthday, which at the time I remember feeling so upset about. I was like, I'm a terrible mother. I am a terrible mother and I am not down there singing him happy birthday and watching him blow his candles and cut his cake. And Joy just kept reminding me, you are a great mom because you are giving him the best gift that you could ever give him. 
and it makes me cry because it really is their best friends yeah. and just the feeling that I had that day of like oh my god how could I, I I'd be missing his birthday um it it is so complete opposite now because they are best friends and it really was the best gift and right. I, I swore I was like oh his brother's gonna come on his birthday they're gonna share a birthday but nope they didn't come that day or the day after so <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> um well thank you for sharing that first half of the story and we're gonna we're gonna stop here for today um but it does it does continue because it was 59 hours of labor so um so we're going to close out here and um, and then pick up again about with what happens when you go to your next hospital. So thank you for listening today to the Lamaze podcast. Please go to our website, www.lamaze.org to learn more about Lamaze, how to connect to a childbirth educator and class, and so many other resources related to pregnancy, childbirth, and parenthood. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Lamaze podcast and give us a five-star review. This will help other families find us in the podcast world. We're looking forward to you tuning in next time. For today, I've been your host. Um, my name is Joyce Scow, and we can't wait to have you back. Mm-hmm.